Welcome everyone to the week 10 waiver wire podcast presented by the 33rd team. I'm your host as always, Josh Larky, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Reynolds. We're going to do things a tiny bit differently today, and I think it's going to make the show better. We'll go through all the top waiver wire ads of the week. Then we are going to dive into some risers and fallers in fantasy football really quickly before ending with some deep league stashes and our quarterback tight end and defensive streamers for the week. Ryan, let's dive right into Kyler Murray. It's official. He's going to be starting week 10. I mean, how could he not after Clayton Toon throws for 50 yards last week? Cardinals have a decent supporting cast. I think there's legitimate top six fantasy upside each week for Kyler Murray. And in some ways, there's a lot of pressure on him. He's playing for the rest of his career. It feels like there's two paths. He's either warding off Caleb Williams or he's auditioning for his next team. Uh, Whichever way it is, I, I expect him at least to be as motivated as he's ever been in his career. What else do you want to add here to uh, kind of our our last big quarterback ad? I've always been a Kyler Murray guy from a pure talent perspective, and I still love him now, but I do think we should expect some reduced rushing upside while he comes back from his injury. That said, versus Falcons at Houston versus the Rams or his first three games coming back, all pretty good upside in the short term at least. Yeah, I think one parallel we could make, obviously he's much more athletic than Joe Burrow, but if we look at Joe Burrow, the the year off the ACL tear, so as a rookie, Joe Burrow, 14 rush yards a game, ACL happens 2021. The next year, he only had seven rush yards a game, so it basically was halved. I don't think we should expect it to be halved with Kyler, but I think it shows kind of you're, you're going to get a big rushing decrease, and then it rebounded to 16 the year after for Burrow, so pretty clear that the the seven was not an outlier in year two, and that it was more so this is just what happens off the ACL. Sorry about Keaton Mitchell, Ravens rookie running back. He's got no draft capital, but his stat line from Sunday looked a lot like a Devon Achan line. Nine carries, 138 yards and a touchdown, 15 yards per carry. He only ran three routes. We should never really expect big pass game workloads from a Lamar Jackson running back. He did at least get a target on one of those three routes. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, these these guys are fine role players. I wouldn't say either is an insurmountable obstacle. Kind of this this high risk, potentially high reward uh, waiver ad. I don't think either of us are super excited about him, but I think it, we'd be remiss not to at least mention that you could be looking at 10 to 15 highly efficient carries next to Lamar each week where many weeks you're getting 80 yards and a touchdown from him, which which is good, especially in today's running back economy. But I don't think either of us are trying to break the bank more than 10, 15% of our fab for a player like this. Yeah, I view Mitchell as a stash, and like you said, any running back that plays next to Lamar Jackson is big time upside. It doesn't have to be a you know tremendous player. Uh, the one the one wrinkle I'll throw in here is he had 100 yards on three carries with less than 16 minutes left in the game when the Ravens were up by at least 20. The 40 yard run he just hit a hole and went nothing big there, and the 60 yard run he you know he got, he broke a number of tackles, but I'd call that one more futility on Seattle's part than anything that impressed me particularly. But you know again, the situation I'm interested in, I view Mitchell as a stash. Speaking of Seattle, Zach Charbonnet has now outsnapped Kenneth Walker each of the past two weeks. He's still being outtouched by him, but Charbonnet might be a solid flex play another week or two down the line if the usage keeps trending in Charbonnet's direction. Walker's trending down at this point. You still really need an injury to one of these two guys for them to pop at this point. But if 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 we're if we're looking at guys that we can flex and will be on our bench, few have more upside than Charbonnet, who I think legitimately has top five fantasy upside should Walker ever miss a game. 
Yeah, he's a premium handcuff in a good situation. The one wrinkle I'll throw in here with the, with both runners in Seattle is they've played the Ravens and the Browns the last two weeks. So two very good defenses. Probably better days ahead for for both backs going forward. Let's talk about receiver Tank Dell of the Texans. Over his past six games, it's been a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Three of those games, the target share was at least 23%, and he had at least 20 PPR fantasy points in all three of those weeks. Then there were three games where the target share was below 17% by, by quite a bit in two of those games, and he had fewer than nine fantasy points each of those weeks. I think he needs a little more consistency for me to feel comfortable starting him each week, but if if you need a, a bi-week fill-in, I think the, the upside is clearly there when you're getting a speedster attached to the the best young quarterback in the NFL at this point, and C.J. Stroud. Yeah, agreed. He's more of a spike week player. He's what we'd want Jamison Williams to be in Detroit. You know, he might ah. he might have three he might have three catches for thirty yards one week, but as we saw last week, when whenever C.J. Stroud pops off, Tank Dell is big upside. And you know, hat tip to Jordan Vanek, who was the first person I saw in Tank Dell, which is no surprise at all. Lastly, let's talk about Khalil Herbert. It looks like he's returning from injured reserve this week. I believe Justin Fields should play in week 10 as well. He started to practice in a limited fashion last week. Herbert was the bell cow in week four, 18 carries over a hundred yards, five targets caught four of them, even scored a touchdown through the air week five. He got injured, but he had 10 carries for 76 yards on the ground at that point and was targeted three times. I don't see any reason why Deonta Foreman's going to be playing over Khalil Herbert, given the state of the bears. So I, I think Herbert, a little bit less exciting than a, a Keaton Mitchell or Charbonnet, but I think he actually is the one that's probably scoring the most fantasy points. Yeah, I think in the short week, it wouldn't surprise me if they lean on Foreman a little bit more if Herbert returns, but long-term, Herbert should be the primary runner in this, in this backfield. And if Fields is back, it's similar to the Lamar Jackson factor. You have to account for Fields as a runner, as a defense, so that helps Herbert. You know, and we saw last year he can be very productive when he has a primary role. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. His work is all on the33team.com. Survivor thoughts on Monday. Power rankings on Tuesday. Thursdays, he drops his expert picks and predictions for every game. Throughout the week, you'll also get his full game write-ups for all the island games. Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night football. Every now and then, if there's a massive game of interest, he'll write that up. So we don't want to put more work on his plate, but Lions Chargers that type of game. Sometimes there's a little more detailed thoughts on something like that. And then on Saturdays, he lets you know everything that he's betting on in each game. Let's do our new segment, risers, fallers. Let's talk about a few risers. Dallas Goddard broke his forearm. Devonta Smith, big riser. The past two seasons when Goddard is off the field, Devonta Smith has a 31% target share. AJ Brown's had a 30.5% target share, so Smith's been out targeting him. If we look at the number of routes, it's about 250. That's roughly seven games of routes. So if we just divide his fantasy points without Goddard by seven, we're getting 17 PPR fantasy points a game. That's a low-end fantasy wide receiver one. I think Devonta Smith's going to be quite a strong start these next few weeks with Goddard out. Anything to add here about how the offense has looked whenever Goddard's not on the field? Yeah, I mean, you know, whenever you get a, a talented player with narrow target shares, we we want we want that exposure to those guys. But one thing that I'm interested here, and we talk about this a lot, you know, Joe Banner uh, hired Howie Roseman and the Howie Roseman Eagles throw to, throw early to run late. But the thing that's interesting about Philly 
in the, over the next few weeks is at KC versus Buffalo versus the 49ers at Dallas at Seattle. Those look like all neutral, if not negative game script games for the, for the Eagles passing attack. So Smith could put up some big numbers over the next, the next month or so. Dolphins running back Devon Achan supposedly will return in week 11. Dolphins are on a buy in week 10. Looks like a pretty good trade target. I don't think he's going to get the full role in week 11, but my guess would be that Achan's once again, leading the team in carries, routes, targets, et cetera, in this backfield by week 12. And uh, the the matchups are pretty scary for the fantasy playoffs with the Dolphins. I think that could result in some manufactured touches for HN in the pass game. And what's nice about his speed is that you can't really game plan against that, as we've seen time and time again, where ultimately, no matter how good a defense is, if you simply can't catch up to a player, you cannot tackle them. So... HN looks like a, a true fantasy RB1 rest of season. Someone that I'm interested in trading for. Anything to add to Mr. Echan? Yeah, r- real quick. I mean, we, we know that the Dolphins passing attack has struggled against the real defenses they've played. But, you know, the one game that Echan played against a, in a loss, he had 101 yards against Buffalo on the ground. So even though they have that tough stretch in the fantasy playoffs, huge upside out of this guy. And we've seen him, you know, they have the Raiders next, the Commanders in Week 13. He has a few smash spots on the horizon, too. T. Higgins finally reached 100 yards this past Sunday. He led the team with nine targets. He caught eight of them for 110 yards against the Bills. Jamar Chase's back is hurting. I don't think he's going to miss time, but an explosive player like that probably going to be a little bit less effective. I think T. Higgins is going to look kind of like where you drafted him in fantasy rest of season. Round two, round three type pick. So another guy that I think is a little mildly interesting to trade for if people aren't sold on last week's performance. You've been a Bengals bull all season. You think they're going to reach the Super Bowl this year. Anything to add to how this pass attack has looked now that Burroughs' calf is fully healthy? Yeah, I mean, it's been two impressive games in a row against premium opponents. And what's most exciting about Higgins is I know on our Monday preview show a couple weeks ago, I said Higgins doesn't look like himself currently. He not only was the production there against Buffalo, but he looked like he had last year. So, And like you said, the the Chase situation can do nothing but help him. If Chase is a little nicked up, maybe Higgins' uh, role ticks up a little bit. So I think at least in the short term, he's gonna. we're looking at some positive weeks for him. My fantasy rankings will hit the site later today. And uh, I think everyone will like seeing where players like T. Higgins uh, show up. So get excited for that, folks. And then tomorrow, rest of season rankings, trade value chart hit the site as well. You'll get that gorgeous downloadable PDF too. So if you want to be making trades on the fly, nice, easy thing to screenshot, download, save onto the phone. I know trade deadlines are coming up. This is kind of the most important time for trades because at this point, uh, a lot of your league mates are starting to give up and that is the perfect time when they become more apathetic to pounce. Let's talk about fallers. We'll just quickly mention Kenneth Walker here. We we talked about him with Zach Charbonnet. (sighs) Ryan, do you think this is a fantasy RB1 rest of season? Uh, Geno Smith hasn't looked good the last few weeks. Charbonnet's taking on more work. I'm starting to think Walker might be on the outside looking in for my top 12 rest of season when that comes out tomorrow. Am I crazy for that? No, no, that's a good question. You know, none of our questions are prepared. So that one, you may have seen that I made a face when you said that because I was like, yeah, Yeah. you know what? I think I agree with that. I think he's in RB2 territory. And even at that, probably a matchup-based guy at this point. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I wanted to surprise you with that one because I know you've been more of a Walker guy. I've been a little more of a Charbonnet guy for fantasy. 
And uh, I've definitely uh, not been impressed with Charbonnet to this point, but I, I think at this point we haven't really been impressed with Walker the last yeah. few weeks either. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Bijan Robinson, faller. I'll blame this one on Arthur Smith. He's simply yeah. not present for a lot of these goal line red zone packages. Last week, Tyler Algier had two red zone carries. Tyler Algier also had two carries at the goal line. Those are four high value touches. Bijan Robinson had zero of each. Uh, it is simply egregious to draft someone eighth overall and A, not him out, not have them on the field in a lot of these circumstances, and B, when you know that this touch is going to the running back, giving it to Tyler Algier over Bijan. I don't know what to say at this point, but uh, Bijan Robinson will be falling out of tier two in my rest of season rankings. It's really disappointing, but I, I don't think we can look at him like a Travis Etienne Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara type in fantasy at this point. Yeah, which like you said, it's that's all on on the coaching staff here. It's truly bizarre to because none of us are. Not, I don't think anyone at this company even is. You know, let's let's draft a running back in the first round type guys. Just from a systematic strategic standpoint, we don't want to do that. But when you do, you should be doing it with a purpose. And the fact that this split is so bizarre in Atlanta, just I'm looking forward to not watching Arthur Smith lead teams in the future. Yeah, I'm thinking about rookie seasons with first-run running backs like Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, yeah. Saquon Barkley. A lot more work. Yeah. Last faller is just the Raiders' pass attack. The next three games, they get the Jets, then the Dolphins, then the Chiefs. These are all above-average units. Devontae Adams had the 29% target share last week, but it's Aiden O'Connell. They're probably going to pa pass a little bit less. They really leaned on Josh Jacobs in that game. Seems like the this new interim head coach, his name is it Antonio Pierce? Top of my head, I might... I think I'm getting that right. He yeah. feels like a like a run the damn ball type coach. Uh, could be wrong there. Uh, they'll definitely be trailing against the Dolphins and Chiefs. So we'll see how that goes. But feels a little bit like an old school coach. O'Connell is a massive passing downgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo, ultimately. And uh, I, I simply want to offload Adams and Myers before it just keeps getting worse. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't remember what the line is offhand. I haven't checked it since last night, but. Everyone's riding a little high on the Raiders right now after they beat what's the worst team in recent memory, you know, right with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. I don't <laughs> see how this passing attack's going to even function against the Jets. I could see the Jets defense single-handedly beating the Raiders next week and like you said, the Dolphins Chiefs are two tough teams too. Definitely not a bull on the Raiders offense going forward. Yeah, I, I think Adams Myers are the the classic sell low because the value will just get lower. Let's talk about a few deep league uh strategies and stashes if you are pretty certain that you're making the fantasy playoffs which you probably are and if you play in a few leagues you probably have at least one league right now where you go oh this team's a juggernaut it's definitely getting in might be six and three seven and two it's time to start stockpiling backup running backs on your fantasy bench the uh, i think the we talked about a pre-show a, a receiver like demario douglas on the patriots is the the absolute worst player to have on your bench that that type if you have a juggernaut because when is he starting? And if the, and if a player like that is really getting meaningful reps in your flex spot, your team's probably just not very good anyway. <laughs> so few uh, backup running backs really like Elijah Mitchell. He's floating on a lot of waiver wires in part because the 49ers were just on by direct backup to Christian McCaffrey. He looked like Jordan Mason for a couple of weeks, but I think that was just Mitchell being slightly injured. You've been a Mitchell guy. The, these past couple of years, what do you want to add to the the speedy back? 
Well, I have one of those seven and two teams, Josh, where I drafted Christian McCaffrey. I I dropped Elijah Mitchell last week to I think get a bye week kicker because I didn't want to drop McManus because the pickings were so slim. I'm getting Mitchell now and just keeping him on my bench for the rest of the year. Leonard Fournette, I think this is the guy, kind of guy that looks like the highest upside running back stash, depending on how week 10 goes, where Monday Night Football, the Buffalo Bills host the Denver Broncos. In many ways, the friendliest team to your fantasy running backs. I have not been particularly impressed with Latavius Murray. James Cook's role has declined in recent weeks. And as we remember, uh, Leonard Fournette was pretty much a low-end fantasy RB1 throughout all of last season. So it's not like he's far removed from fantasy production. And I'll just mention it again. His skill set is perfect for fantasy football. Big back who can get goal line carries. He can adequately pass block, and he's good in the receiving game. That's really where fantasy points are scored. And if Tom Brady liked him, uh, pretty pretty good chance that Josh Allen might like him. And also, Ryan, I want you to picture this as a you're a defense guy. Picture this. You're You're at the goal line. You're trying to set up a defensive formation. And you look and you see Josh Allen at quarterback, 240 pounds. Leonard Fournette, 240 pounds in the backfield. Don Kincaid's 250 pounds. Stephon Diggs is one of the NFL's best receivers. Gabe Davis is 6'4", 210. I mean, wow. There, there's a lot of size there. And I, I don't know how any defense can cover that. Yeah, I, the one pushback I have on Leonard Fournette is, you know, he sat on sat on his couch for half a season, and there's a reason for that. That said, I do think he's in a fascinating environment because he is an upgrade over Latavius Murray. He does have that Swiss Army knife skill set, like you mentioned. He's a reliable veteran. And one thing that Buffalo needs to do more, and we've seen it with Dalton Kincaid basically taking on a Cole Beasley-type role, which we talked about in the offseason. Teams are not letting Josh Allen throw the ball downfield anymore. So a check down running back, reliable guy. Uh, it could it could be interesting, especially because James Cook hasn't really done anything since the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, feeling pretty good about the James Cook fade, all the haters yeah. out there. Uh, I hope you're happy with James Cook on your fantasy rosters. He is not on any of ours. Ty Chandler, the last guy we'll discuss here. Cam Akers has the Achilles injury again. Just a brutal run of injury luck for that young man. Alexander Madison might break on heavy volume. He's also just not been very good. It's a transition year for Minnesota. I, If I were the Vikings head coach, I would certainly want to see what I have in the incredibly speedy rookie. He's got a little bit of pass catching ability. He's probably nothing if Madison stays healthy, but I, I think there's some slight chance they, they give him a week or two down the stretch. And if Madison gets hurt on the biggest workload of his NFL career, Ty Chandler suddenly becomes very interesting alongside another mobile quarterback in Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I'm not sure how much workload he'll get. I think that's the concern, but he is more explosive than Madison. And since Madison's kind of had a pretty middling year, and you know this, Josh, because you hate Alexander Madison, and you've been right about that. Uh, <laughs> at some point, especially with Akers sideline, like they should probably try something different. Now, especially since Kirk Cousins isn't there. I think Dobbs keeps Minnesota alive in the wildcard race, but they should probably be trying to get a little bit more out of their running game, and Chandler's the, the best chance they have. For deep super flex leagues, let's talk about a few upside backup quarterbacks. I always stash them in my super flex leagues, not just dynasty, but redraft as well. I I think of the the quarterbacks as essentially a cut above the running backs, even in some ways, in terms of if there's an injury, suddenly you go, oh my God, I've got a new starting quarterback. The value's inflated. You can either flip them or start them if you need to. We'll talk about four names, rapid fire. Marcus Mariota, Eagles backup for Jalen Hurts, premium offensive line. 
elite weapons. Mariota's got some mobility as well, and he started 12 games last year, so he's pretty fresh. Jacoby Brissett of the Commanders. Sam Howell has taken a lot of sacks. He's taken a lot of contact. He's also dropped back and is on pace to set the NFL record for dropbacks in a season. Washington Commanders have a very, very good and deep skill group. Brissett himself is slightly mobile. Sam Darnold, 49ers quarterback. If anything happens to Brock Purdy, Darnold's got a little bit more mobility than people expect. And we've seen literally every single quarterback not named Trey Lance be semi-fantasy relevant in super flex type formats that has played there the past few seasons. And then Mike White of the Dolphins. He was fun on the Jets last year. Great supporting cast. Dolphins have a very tough schedule, but I think it lends itself at least down the stretch to a lot of quarterback dropbacks. Ryan, how do you order Mariota, Brissett, Darnold, White for your priority list? That's tough. I'm actually going to put Darnold on top because I think the drop-off's the shortest between him and Purdy. I'm going to put Mike White second just because of the offense they're in. Mariota I actually thought about putting on top because of his rushing equity, but he's not even close to the passer that Jalen Hurts is, so I'm going to leave him in third. And Brissett's fascinating. That's the toughest one because – you know, Sam Howell's throwing the ball more often than anyone, and Brissett's probably like an even swap in that in that scenario. But I think you put together a great list of four guys here, Josh, for, for this kind of format. Yeah, so I ordered them. I would go Darnold, Mariota, Brissett, White. So I, we have Darnold, Mariota, Brissett the same. The reason I would have White fourth instead of second is that if Tua struggled against these better defenses, then Mike White probably struggles a little bit more. But maybe I'm reading into that too much, and we should just worship the the likely pass volume with those good weapons. No, that's smart, especially with their their playoff stretch. That's smart stuff, Josh. I like that. So I've got some quarterback streamers. Russell Wilson's at Buffalo, Monday Night Football. Coming off the bye, I think that that's good, if anything. Give them a little rest. Maybe they can try and figure out uh, why Marvin Mims is not running some more routes. His touchdown interception ratio still blows me away. It's 16-4 to 4 on the season. I, I don't think you're, you're necessarily getting a huge game out of him. It's going to be a, a cold weather game against a, a pretty solid defense. But Russ has been good enough this year that I, I think you're getting, I think the floor is still close to 15 fantasy points. Yeah, when you pointed out that touchdown interception ratio yesterday, it blew my mind too, man. Um, passing volume has <laughs> been down for Russell Wilson, but I, this is a bounce back spot for Buffalo, probably playing in a negative game script. This is a week without a lot of great streaming options, so Wilson's at least a consideration for me. Yeah, there's Baker Mayfield. He gets the Titans. Another one where you're like, ah, hold your nose. But he has at least 17 fantasy points in three straight games. At least 16 fantasy points in six of eight games this year. I don't think you're getting 20 fantasy points, but I don't think you're getting 12. So it's just another one where it's like, guys, this is why we don't like to stream quarterbacks. Suddenly you're starting Baker Mayfield against the Titans. You're not a Baker guy, but you've admitted he's looked better than expected this year. Yeah, I mean, he he played really well in Houston last week. He he had he threw a few laser beams late in that game too. So, like the matchup, like his supporting cast, I do think he has 300 yards upside against Titan the Titans secondary. But again, that's the call. That safe is a stretch. Josh Dobbs faces the Saints. He had 27 fantasy points last week in less than a full game. He didn't know the playbook. He didn't know some of the offensive linemen's names in an interview after the game. Just wild, wild stuff. I'd put him at the top of this list, actually, if Justin Jefferson played. But uh, the reports right now are that Jefferson is extremely unlikely to return from injured reserve this week. So I, I think with I think KJ Osborne's injured as well. I mean, what are we looking at? Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson on a bag of bones. Uh, I, I think I'd rather start Baker over him. But uh, let me know if I'm, I'm wrong there. I'm still tweaking my fantasy rankings. You might be able to sway me with Dobbs versus Baker here. 
No, I would play Mayfield too for the exact same reason. If you had Jefferson, Hawkinson, Addison good to go, I'd take my chances with Dobbs. In a game that has like actually kind of immense playoff implications here. If the Vikings win this game, they're in the driver's seat in the wildcard race. If the Saints win this game, that you know, again, they're in the driver's seat in their division. So I, I would I'd probably wait a week on Dobbs too, just because you know what he did last last week was heroic. He still just joined the team, doesn't know the offense well. And like you said, they're they're down two of their top four playmakers too. Let's talk about tight end streamers. I'm going to give us credit. We nailed it. Our tight end streamer of the week last week was Hunter Henry. Four catches, 39 yards, and a touchdown. Cha-ching. Team leading seven targets, though. Uh, Pat spread the ball. That was just a 16% target share. But why we liked him, uh, Kendrick Bourne out for the year with a 20 CL. Devontae Parker had a concussion. He's also just terrible at this point. So it really seemed like who who else other than Hunter Henry and Demario Douglas is going to be getting, a, and I guess Juju Smith-Schuster is getting targets in this offense. It should be streamable. Once again, they host the Colts. Colts have allowed the fifth most fantasy points per game to tight ends. Target consolidation, decent matchup. I will be rolling out Hunter Henry. When my fantasy rankings hit the site later today, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm tinkering with him, with him right now. I think he might sneak into the top 12 for the second week in a row. Yeah, that makes sense to me, Josh. Sol- good matchup, solid player. And again, like that list of names you listed off for their wide receivers in New England, it's just a brutal, 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 <laughs> brutal situation. <laughs> so he could conceivably lead the tar- team in targets too in, in a good matchup. This one might have surprised Ryan, but I think it makes sense it. when I put it on the show sheet. Daniel Bellinger at the Cowboys. Ryan and I are on record. We we think the Giants team total of 11.5 sounds a little high. I already bet them to score over under under seven and a half team points at plus one eighty on DraftKings. I liked the sound of that. Tommy DeVito against the Cowboys. If Daniel Jones got shut out forty to zero earlier this year, and now there's no Darren Waller and it's Tommy DeVito, uh, another shutout's on the table. Daniel Bellinger had a ten percent target share last week. That's pretty bad, but he caught all three targets for forty three yards. He's really fast. He runs a 4-6-40 time, a little bit better than someone like Travis Kelsey even. 44% of his receiving yards were after the catch last week. And even though Dallas is just a middle-of-the-road matchup for fantasy tight ends, because of how good their defense is, if you kind of look at the the proportion of fantasy points scored by tight ends compared to receivers, the Cowboys are near the top of the list. It's probably because tight ends have a low average depth of target. The Cowboys pressure the quarterback. I think Bellinger is kind of the sneakiest guy to get you five receptions at the tight end position this week. I think that's fair. And I think he's actually a decent ad in general, long-term, if you're real dice at the position, because, you know, a bad quarterback's best friend is the tight end. And he is a good player, one of the better backup tight ends in the league. That said, I do think he could spend a significant portion of his game in pass protection, just because the Giants' offensive line versus Dallas's pass rush. If the Cowboys were 31-point favorites in this game, I would take them in my spread pools that I have to pick every game. Because, like you said, I think 11.5 points is insurmountable from this offense. They're, they're going to have to score on defense or on special teams to beat that number. <laughs> Folks, that's Ryan Reynolds, NFL on Twitter. His work's on the 33rdteam.com. Power rankings, expert picks and predictions, survivor thoughts, in-depth betting thoughts. Nobody talks about football like Ryan, and I don't know anyone else out there who's watched every snap of every game since 2014 and still is alive and well making content about it. Also, if you like fantasy rankings, my fantasy rankings will hit the site later today, the33rdteam.com. Hop into our free Discord. I'll be in there later tonight answering some waiver wire questions for the good people. So if you have some more waiver wire questions, drop them in the Discord. 
I'll take 30 minutes later tonight and run through some of those to help people out. And my rest of season rankings and trade calculator hit the site tomorrow. Let's close out the show, Ryan. Defensive streamers. We we both agree it's a bad week. Uh, I'll put them at the top. Uh, the Raiders face the Jets. The, the Chargers were allowing over 300 passing yards a game. They were allowing over 22 fantasy points a game to quarterbacks. And we just saw what they did last night on primetime against Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson stinks. The offensive line's down multiple starters for the Jets. I think we're allowed to play the Raiders uh, this week. And your top 12 fantasy defenses are in my fantasy rankings each week. Top of your head, do you, do you think the Raiders will sneak into that top 12? I think they might. They could, yeah. I mean, Max Crosby himself could have you know five sacks in this game. And I'll say this, Josh. I feel about Zach Wilson the way you feel about Alexander Madison. Not only do I hate him as a player, I, he's such an eyesore to watch. I hate him as a person. So betting against him, I'm comfortable with. My concern here is I don't think the Raiders' offense is going to do anything in this game. I think the score of this game could be like 10-6. So, and New York should be running the ball as often as possible for as long as they can, too. Yeah, I was at a bar with a buddy last night watching the game, and they panned at one point to Zach Wilson on the bench. He was wearing the the camo hat, picking his nose, and I was like, this is just a disrespectful shot right here. Yeah, this, I was bad. like, this does not look like a guy that's about to, to make a comeback, just digging in there, and uh, really, he should have been digging for yards and fantasy points. Wrong move, Mr. Wilson. Packers, they're at Pittsburgh. God, these options are just getting bleak. Kenny Pickett somehow just couldn't really get it done in in real football, fantasy, et cetera, against the Titans. They were definitely not beating the Titans last week because of Pickett. I think he had five yards per attempt against the Titans. Packers defense, uh, a little bit better than the Titans. Uh, any any thoughts here? Like I, I, ju- I just think it's a, it's a low ceiling, medium floor option is how I'd describe this one. No, I think it's definitely worth consideration because from a pure talent standpoint, it's a bit like the Raiders versus the Jets. Like you want to bet against Kenny Pickett when you can. The Packers have a talented defense. My concern is I don't think Green Bay does enough on offense against the Steelers defense for them to really play with a lead here. I think the Packers are kind of a similar team to the Steelers are just worse in just about every area. So I do think on this slate, you should consider them. But I, I, I you know, for me, we, we talked about this, Josh. I have the Cowboys defense because I don't want to deal with situations like this, you know? All right, the last one. Uh, you can you can play both defenses in that Thursday game, Ryan. Do you prefer the the Bears at home hosting the Panthers, or do you, do you prefer the Panthers on the road and Fields' comeback start? I just think this game could very well play out to be low scoring. We've seen that a lot with these Thursday night games, and uh, both quarterbacks are very turnover prone this year. Uh- I definitely lean heavily on the Bears. I think I might prefer them out of any of these options. You know, Montez Sweat brings something to their pass rush, which is the biggest weakness on the team. Their secondary is actually pretty good at when they're at full strength, and they have one of the better linebacker duos in the league. And Carolina's offense has just been terrible this year, so I'm more mm-hmm. interested in betting against them, where the Bears can run the ball, and regardless of which quarterback plays, I think they have a safer floor, so to speak. Folks, that's Ryan Reynolds, NFL, on Twitter. I'm Josh Larkey. From the two of us, from the 33rd team, Taylor Swift will not be in attendance this week because the Chiefs are on by, and we had to sneak that keyword in for our producers. This has been the Week 10 Waiver Wire Show. Thank you, everyone.